0: We're coming to the end of the songs of comfort in the middle of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 33, another movement in these collection of songs. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time, and he was still in prison, uh, still in a desperate, desperate state, and the enemy was besieging the city of Jerusalem. Uh, There's something very relevant, isn't there, about the language in this chapter of a city being surrounded by an army. And God speaks words of comfort to Jeremiah. Not just speaks, but sings. It's songs in the night. And I want us to look at one of the most precious of promises this morning, call, verse 3, upon me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Then verse 6, I will bring health and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them abundance of peace and truth. And I will cause the captives of Judah and the captives of Israel to return and will rebuild those places as at the first. I will cleanse them from all their iniquity by which they have sinned against me and I will pardon all their iniquities by which they have sinned and by which they have transgressed against me. What precious words uh, to a man in prison and to a city that is about to be destroyed. But for us, they are even more precious. The word in the promise called to me, and I will answer you and show you great and wonderful things which you don't know. What God is saying to Jeremiah is, I'm going to show you secrets, You're in the dark, Jeremiah, literally in the prison cell. And you're in the dark as to what I'm doing in the world. But, Jeremiah, I'm going to shine my light into uh, your mind. And I'm going to share some of my secrets with you. Isn't that what we need today? Now, I know the secret things belong to the Lord... We don't know what is happening in the world, do we? We don't know what the outcome of the war in Ukraine will be, whether it will lead to another world war or whether it will eventually die down. We don't know what God is doing in our church. We don't know why God has taken somebody involved in uh, the mission field. We don't know what God may be doing in our own lives. The secret things belong to the Lord. But there are certain things that are revealed in the Bible that belong to us, that are for you and for me. And God is sharing with us some of his secrets. Don't you want to know God? That's what Christianity is about, to know the true God and Him that He sent, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is like a, a pearl of great price. Uh, Paul writes about the unsearchable riches of Christ. Uh, these things that have been kept secrets for long ages but have now been disclosed now we can know some of these secrets and i want to share some of the secrets that jeremiah is being given inside information on this morning with you and whether we are in a metaphorical prison uh, whether we want to know what is christianity all about what is God doing in the world? What is God's ultimate plan? Let's hear some of these secrets. The first secret here, you're not going to like it, Jeremiah didn't like it, is the secret of God's judgments. The secret of God's judgments. People don't like to hear, do they, about God judging? But I'm afraid we can't escape from that you would have to rip up most of your bibles and i'm not just thinking of the old testaments but even the new testaments is full of judgments jesus christ mentioned hell more than he mentioned heaven and if you look at the verses that we read you have god saying something to jeremiah about his judgments Again, it's very contemporary, the language. For thus says the Lord, verse 4, the God of Israel concerning the houses of the city and the houses of the kings of Judah, which have been pulled down. It wasn't the enemy that pulled down the houses. The houses and even the royal palaces had been destroyed by the people themselves. Why? In order to shore up the defences. Uh, There were weak spots in the walls of Jerusalem. And so they pulled down their own houses in order to strengthen those walls against the besieging uh, army of the Assyrians. We see, don't we, in uh, Kiev, that beautiful city, uh, we see trenches being dug. Uh, we, We see people turning it into a fortress. And this is what the inhabitants of Jerusalem were doing in Jeremiah's day. And then God says something very hard, very hard. They come to fight with the Chaldeans. And he's not encouraging Jeremiah here, but only to fill their places with the dead bodies of men whom I will slay in my anger and my fury all for whose wickedness I have hidden my face from this city. Jeremiah, are you hearing me? This is why you're in prison. This is why the Babylonians have taken captive many of your people. This is why the army now is surrounding the city and is about to destroy it. Even my holy temple is going to be destroyed. It's because I am angry with you as a people. The secret of god's judgments i wouldn't be a faithful minister of jesus christ if i glossed over the judgment of god somebody might say aren't you being a bit unfair here on jeremiah jeremiah was a prophet for 40 years in the end at this stage he'd been prophesying for 20 years i've been in the ministry for just over 20 years How did Jeremiah manage? For 20 years, he'd been prophesying about the judgment of God. And that had come to pass. And now, not only had that happened, you see, Jeremiah could have just stood on the sidelines and said, I told you so. (laughs) I told you so. But now, Jeremiah himself is suffering. He's in prison. Isn't God being unfair here? And, the Babylonians weren't very holy, were they? Why isn't God judging them? Why is God judging Israel, his own people? This is the mystery of God's judgment. I don't understand why. Why is God, if he's in complete control, allowing a dictator to invade another country? Why? Why, if God is sovereign, is, is he allowing people who are still in the prime of their life to die and others to still be alive? Why, why is God causing people who are not believers to have it easy to be successful while believers are often struggling? how unscrutable, how past finding out are his judgments and his ways. All we know is this, that God will judge the Babylonians one day. That no one is going to get away with sin we must all appear before the judgment seats of Christ. The judge of all the earth will do rights that all have sinned. Whether you're of the stock of Israel, whether you're a Babylonian, whether you're an Ukrainian, whether you're a Russian, whether you're a churchgoer, whether you're an atheist, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of of god jerusalem was the city of destruction we've seen cities in the ukraine becoming cities of destruction listen cardiff is a city of destruction all the cities of this world are cities of destruction because one day god is going to come in judgment What is happening in Jeremiah's day is just a shadow of that final judgment. Indeed, this is a shadow of the judgment that came upon Jerusalem in 70 AD. The Roman army besieged the city and it was even worse than what happened in Jeremiah's day. But even that was a foreshadowing of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. That is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ who came into this world 2,000 years ago and was born a saviour. He was born in relative obscurity. He's going to come back one day not as a saviour but as a judge. He's going to be the judge of the quick and the dead he's not going to come back in obscurity every eye is going to see him and every knee is going to bow down to him even the putins and the kims of this world are going to bow the knee to him and acknowledge that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father my friend cardiff is a city of destruction we can't just say god you're not fair in your ways Can't the creator do what he wants with what he's created? And we can't point the finger at other people. We are the sinner. I'm the sinner. And we need to escape from the city of destruction. Just like in Pilgrim's Progress, you had Bunyan's Pilgrim being made aware of the fact that he lived in the city of destruction. Do you realize you will one day have to die. I will one day have to die. Um, d- did you read um, a week or so ago about an old cricketer that had died? I'm not into cricket, so I can't remember the name of this older gentleman. But Shane Warne tweeted his condolences. And then a day or so afterwards, Shane Warne had died. I don't know much about cricket, but I have heard of Shane Warne, and he was only in his 50s. We must all one day leave this world behind. And what I want of every one of us is simply the humility to admit that we are sinners, we are sinners, that we are in the city of destruction, and that we need to escape. And that we begin to call upon God to save us. When a great persecutor, Saul of Tarsus, was converted, the early church didn't believe it. They said, No, this is a cunning plot of his to catch us as Christians. But God had to say to a man called Ananias, No, he's really saved. And you know why? He's praying. He's praying. Are we praying? Oh, God, be merciful to me. Oh, God, in Jesus' name, save my soul. Save my soul. I've uh, been blessed with the flats and I'm up on the fifth floor. Feels high. It's nothing compared to some of the skyscrapers in the cities of our world. Think of those skyscrapers on Manhattan Island. Now, to build so high, they've got to dig first, ever so deep. And this is what God does to his people in Jeremiah's day. This is what God has to do with you and me. Before we can be saved, we've first got to come to a realization that we need saving. Before we can, as it were, fly spiritually, that's what faith is it's flying. We need first to come down and to realize, Lord, I can't do it. I need you to save me. Lord, I'm a wretch. I may not be an out and out sinner, but my heart, as Jeremiah said in chapter 17, is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Desperately wicked. So the secret of God's judgment, it should bring us to the place where we're not, pointing the finger at God or pointing the finger at other people but pointing the finger at us and saying mia culpa it's my fault my faults. now the secret of God's salvation it doesn't end does it with judgment it doesn't come out as strikingly in the new King James but verse 6 has a complete change there is a but God here did some of you hear Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones preach on those two words but God in Romans chapter 3 I've already quoted the verse you've got the secret of God's judgments being revealed the Jews thought they were cut above the rest but Paul says oh no whether we are Jews or Greeks we are all in the same position and then he gives a long list even more uh, sobering than what we've been considering. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. And it goes on and on and on. And you're wondering, what hope is there for me? Listen, there's no hope in and of yourself. There's no hope in your religiosity. There's no hope in your good works. But then in verse 21, there's a change. But, but, now the righteousness of God apart from the law. But God, but God, we're in the city of destruction, but there's a way of escape. And we're not talking now about a false ceasefire for a limited time. We're talking about God preparing a way of escape. Isn't that good news? Have you ever realized the but gods of scripture? I could give you another one. Uh, You know how hopeless you are? You are dead. You are dead as dead as a dodo spiritually, dead in trespasses and sins, there is no hope for us to save ourselves, to get ourselves out of the city of destruction. And we are by nature children of wrath, just as others. Ephesians 2 verse 3. But it doesn't end there, praise God. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive, Together in Christ. The gospel gem here is the but God. That's what we are as a church. This is a church that has a but God after the judgments, the grace of God, the mystery, the secret of God's salvation. Where is it? Verse 6 But I will bring. Praise God. Not you, not me. We can't patch ourselves up. Our first parents tried doing that with fig leaves. God doing something. I will bring it health and healing. And look at verse 8 if you've got a Bible. I will cleanse them from all their iniquity by which they have sinned against me. And I will pardon all their iniquities by which they have sinned and by which they have transgressed against me. Salvation Is being saved from. Being saved from the city of destruction. Being saved from sin. This horrible, horrible spiritual disease. Being saved from hell to heaven. Being saved from sin to righteousness. You know what our problem is? We don't realize how much we've been loved by Jesus Christ. Because we don't realize how sinful we are. Grace abounds because sin is so prevalent. Do you want to know how amazing grace is? You've got to look first at how exceeding sinful sin is. Look at the words used here to describe sin. We sometimes mouth the word sin, don't we? We don't really know what we're talking about. Look at the words. Iniquity. Iniquity. I will cleanse them from all their iniquity. Do you know what iniquity is? It's something twisted. It's something bent. Uh, There was a famous um, television series, wasn't there, about bent coppers. Now, we're all twisted because of sin, even when we desire to do good. This is what sin is, my friends. It's not just committing those things which we shouldn't commit. It's even when we desire to do good, evil is present with us. So Saul of Tarsus really thinking that he was serving God in persecuting the Christians. That's how twisted sin is. And then the other word that is used here is sinned. Sinned. So it's not just iniquity, but they have sinned. What's the word sin? The word sin means to miss the mark. To miss the mark. I was playing crazy golf once. And I missed the mark. Not only did I not manage to hit the ball, but I managed to let go of the club. And it went flying. So that was missing the mark big time. And we've missed the mark when it comes to God. What is God's pass mark? I know it's a bit of a cliche these days to say it, but it needs to be repeated. What does God require of you and of me in order to be accepted and to go to heaven? God's pass mark isn't 50%. When I was in school, uh, if you had 50%, you had C. If you had 49%, you had failed. If you had 90%, you had A plus. But a 50% was as much of a pass mark as a 90%. But the problem we've got is we tend to think like that when it comes to our relationship with God. But God's pass mark is 100%. Unless we're 100% perfect, we're never going to be accepted of God and go to heaven. Sin has caused us to miss the mark. So whether we have 99% or whether we have 1%, it doesn't matter. We are just completely sinful. Not that we're as bad as we can be, but every part of us has been affected by sin. And then the other word that is used is transgressed transgressed they have sinned and by which they have transgressed against me this talks about rebellion and I think that gets to the heart of the matter whether you're a respectable sinner whether you're an out and out sinner you're still a rebel a rebel you can be a rebel in your heart can't you I can remember uh, talking to people who were Sunday school teachers and they would not be believers. And they would be seething in their hearts. How dare you talk to us about Jesus Christ? Don't you realise that we're involved in chapel? That is much of a rebellion as a person who's getting out drunk every night. We don't realise how sinful we are. We don't realise our sinnership. We don't realise that the only thing we can call ourselves in the end is unprofitable servants. I'm coming as a sinner. I have no other name. Even uh, I who've been in ministry for 20 odd years, I'm still a sinner in and of myself. And look at the way Jeremiah does it or God does it. I will cleanse them from all their iniquity, singular, which they have sinned against me, and I will pardon all their iniquities, plural. Do you get that? We commit sin because we're, first of all, sinners, original sin. It's not committing sin that makes us sinners. We commit sins because we're already sinners in the first place. That's what we call original sin. David said, in sin did my mother conceive me this is the problem the root is sinful the heart is sinful and then the fruit is sinful as well so it's not just new fruits that you need you need a new heart you need a new tree and you can't do that and i can't do that only god can do that only god and praise be to his name this is what he promises here isn't it a mystery isn't it a mystery none of us can fix ourselves because we're already compromised. You need somebody who is a human being and perfect to do it. How is that possible? It's not possible if you've got a person born in the normal way. But this is the secret, the secret that was hid for centuries, and then 2,000 years ago it was revealed. God sent a person, a real man, a man there is, a real man. So he was conceived in the womb of a real person, the Virgin Mary. She wasn't perfect. She was a real woman, a sinner. But she was conceived. She conceived, not because Joseph had intercourse with her, but because the Holy Spirit produced the seed. The God-man. And then the greatest mystery, the greatest secret, not the birth, but the death. Tis mystery all. The immortal dies. The immortal dies. The resurrection and the life hangs on the cross. Isn't that a mystery? The spotless Son of God, the perfect man, is condemned to the worst of deaths, Execution by crucifixion. Why? Because it was for our sins. My sin. Your sin. Have you seen the mystery of salvation in the birth and death of Jesus Christ? Have you had that eureka moment when it finally clicks that it's not what you do, but what he's done in your place. What are you doing with your sin this morning? What are you doing with God's judgments? This is what you should do. My sin? Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. Pastor, how can thinking about sin be a bliss, be a blessing? Hang on. (laughs) My sin... Not the parts, but the whole has been transferred, is nailed to his cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Even in prison, even in a city that is being besieged by the enemy, there is a joy to be had when sins are forgiven. Don't you agree? This will give Jeremiah a song, even in the night. This gives Christians in Kiev a hope, even when they are not sure about their future, even if they are going to die, at least they know where they're going. The mystery of God's salvation. And then there's one more mystery here, one secret The secret of God's peace. Uh, Listen, behold, I will bring it health, verse 6, and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. How did we start the service? Pardon for sin and uh, peace that endureth. How is this possible? It's possible because we are right with God. We are no longer enemies to him. Our sins have been forgiven. There is no more condemnation. I'm at peace with my maker. And as a result of that, there is peace within the word for peace in the Hebrew. The word used here is shalom. And shalom is a big word. And it doesn't just mean the peace that comes when two warring sides are reconciled together. But it talks of wellness. It talks of health. And God promises that the city which is going to be in ruins is going to be rebuilt. That the city is going to prosper once again. But we think of this salvation as bringing peace and prosperity, not necessarily in terms of health and wealth, but in terms of wellness of soul. That's what God is offering you and me this morning. It is well with my soul. The hymn that I quoted from, it talks about being well in our souls. Uh, Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. The man who wrote those words had just lost Uh, his children in uh, an accident in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when the liner they were traveling on uh, sank. Peace, perfect peace. Even in this dark world of sin, the blood of Jesus, which he shed on the cross, whispers, peace within. We don't know what the future may bring. We don't know. What may happen in our own little lives. But if we are in Christ, if we have escaped from the city of destruction, and if we have gone to Jesus Christ and put our trust in him, then not only is our sin pardoned, but we are at peace. That's the gospel, that's the message. That the world needs. Not just to hear the gospel. Look at how God ends this promise to Jeremiah. Verse 9. Then it shall be to me a name of joy. A praise and an honor. Before all the nations of the earth. Who shall hear all the good that I do to them. They shall fear and tremble. For all the goodness and all the prosperity. That I provide for it. This is what one person says. Hear surely we can see that the most powerful evangelism, not just uh, the word, not just speaking the gospel, but other people seeing uh, those who have been forgiven, seeing in the vibrant life, joy-filled character of the believing church. Oh, do we show forth the praises of him who has redeemed us? I just want to end this morning by asking two questions. First, if you're not a Christian, if you're not in Christ, if you're still in the city of destruction, why are you still where you're at? It's still a day of grace. It's still a ceasefire, as it were. God is giving you this opportunity to escape to the city of refuge, to Jesus Christ. What's holding you back? Come, come, that there is no limit to what God can do in Christ. However sinful you may feel yourself to be, all sin shall be forgiven. I was a student when I first heard this good news. And I spent months, months trying, trying to believe until I realised I had my eureka moments, and I realised I did not have to save myself, that Christ had done everything. All I had to do was turn to him in repentance and faith. And I long for every one of you students to do that, and to know joy, joy in your hearts, the joy of salvation, whatever else may happen in your studies, that you are right with God through Jesus Christ. And those of us who are in him, what what about us? Aren't you glad that you have been let in to the greatest secrets in the universe? The secrets of God's way of salvation, that God himself came down and became one of us in order to save us, and that on that cross, we were involved because our sins caused his condemnation. Aren't you mightily relieved still, after so many years, that he bore the burden there aren't you glad that you have a hope even in these uncertain times how how did the hymn put it pardon for sin and a peace that endureth thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide even in dark days strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow blessings all mine And 10,000 beside. Even in uh, days of darkness. Even in a metaphorical prison. We can sing songs of praise to our God. A song of salvation. A song of hope. The future is as bright as the promises of God. Said Adonarian Judson. May God. Cause us as a people. To thrive. In the gospel. May people. Come to this church and know that we are a happy people. Not because of anything in us. We we are are really not the ones uh, to be the cause of our happiness, are we? If it was up to us, we would make a mess of it. We would. (laughs) But thank God it's not. It's God's plan of salvation. And we have been made recipients of it. And we are happy. We are happy. Because he hasn't given up on us. And he will bring us home. He will bring us home. And I want all of us here to be going to that heavenly home. Together. Together. For his namesake. Let us now sing that hymn I've quoted enough from. When peace like a river Attendeth." my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. It's in the nights that this piece came to Spafford. Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. And then, can we have the last answer up? How, how, does, it, how does it end? But Lord, tis for thee for thy coming we wait. The sky, not the grave, is our goal. We're going upwards. That, that's where we're headed in Christ. Blessed hope, blessed rest of my soul. Let's praise him uh, by singing uh, this hymn. Father in heaven, we're just amazed that we who have messed things up completely, that we should be the recipients of such a great salvation and that Jesus Christ didn't mess things up, that all our iniquities on him were laid and that thou, our Father, doesn't mess things up, that thy plan toward us is perfect. And we thank thee, Father, That we're going home, onwards and upwards. The sky, not the grave, is our goal. And Lord, we don't want anybody here still remaining in this city of destruction. We want everyone to be found in Jesus Christ. And now may his grace and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. Amen.